I'm B. And I'm B. And, and this, this is Homestead Happenings. Happenings. Where every week we bring you along on our journey to self-sufficiency. And bring you exclusive interviews on all things Homestead from people around the world. So hit subscribe and follow along with us. Let's learn. Let's grow. Let's go. I'm V, and today we are going to talk about starting from scratch. But the people we're going to talk to today are actually going to have another unique thing from an episode we most recently talked about, which is there is a blended family situation at their house as well. Remember in the other episode, I was telling you they don't all necessarily live in the same house, but they're on the same property and they worked together. So we'll touch on that too. It's very exciting finding more people doing things a different way, especially with so many people wanting to lean that way. So today we are going to be with Haley from Three Pines Family Farm, and she's going to get us started by telling us about her homestead journey, and I'm so excited for it. Haley, thank you so much for being here. Yeah. So tell us how you kind of got started as far as original homestead plan. So um, my husband and I um, were living in a little house in town, really busy, loud streets. Uh, So we decided we wanted to get out of town, moved into the woods, um, like 20 minutes outside of town. And started a little two-acre um, homestead. Um, and we just kind of outgrew our space really quickly. Um, and then my parents sold their house in town and came and lived on our property in their trailer. Um, and they were just looking for um, the perfect spot to move. And so we had the space and they lived with us for a while. Um, the way we got our crazy idea to all... Um, moved together was that my sister and brother-in-law lived about 15 minutes away and then my parents were already living with us and we were always together helping each other out with kids and whatnot. My mom and I were sitting down actually a year ago or two years ago yesterday on the couch drinking coffee looking out at the garden and um, my mom's a big gardener um, and she hadn't had her own space to garden And, um, we started talking about how amazing it would be to just all move away together on a big chunk of property and, um, start our own homestead, but all together because we're already all doing it. Why, why do it separately? We're always together. And, um, so we were joking around. We originally were in Oregon and, um, so I immediately got on Zillow and was just like looking at properties. I'm like, we know we don't want to be in Oregon anymore. So I looked in Idaho and um, we wanted to be, like, close enough to visit family. So I just started sending out listings um, to all of um, all six of us. Um, so my mom and dad, my sister and brother-in-law, and my husband. So I just started sending out listings. And everyone kind of joked about it at first. Um, and everyone laughed about it. But everyone was like, I'm on board. And then we had a family dinner, like, the next week. And it got brought up. And we're like, everyone's like, well, that would be kind of cool, though. And it just all stemmed from there. My dad was like, I'm going to Idaho this weekend. Um, who wants to come? And we just started, like, every weekend, someone from our um, family was in Idaho looking for property, meeting with realtors. And it took us four months to uh, come up with the idea, find the property, and then close on the property. So we had the idea and 
April of 2021, and we closed on property in August of 2021. Wow. And now we're here. <laughs> so. Um, then we, it took us like, um, once we found the property, we, we closed our whole lives up in Oregon and hit the road the following April. So last year, April 27th, we, we moved up here. That is, that's just crazy how that all happens. But I want to know, like, what was it about this property that you picked? What what made that one the one since it did take, you know, kind of four months of looking? Um, location was big. It's nine hours from family, um, my husband's family and like, we have like grandparents and stuff, um, in Oregon. And so nine hours is doable. It's a doable, like driving vacation. Um, property wise, it was large enough. We have 53 acres. Um, it has its own water source. Um, so we have a spring and then we have a pond that like overfills in the winter from runoff. Um, and then it has like a little kind of cute trickling, <laughs> um, little Creek that, runs into it and so we have water on the property lots of grazing and it's remote we were looking we wanted to be as remote as we could without it being like horrifically inconvenient <laughs> so would you say it's your forever homestead then the way you're you're working on it absolutely that you're the first person to say absolutely to that question so that's <clears throat> that's that's uh <laughs> You know, that must feel, you know, really good knowing, like, that is the one. Because I think everybody I've talked to, um, like, in life, I think you're the second one that I've specifically asked. But, yeah, for this uh, podcast, you're the first one to be like, absolutely, yes, this is it. <laughs> um, so, you've got all those, everybody living there was, and it was raw, so what was the plan going into that was, did you guys have skills or did you hire any work done? Um, so everybody, um, it's kind of like got aligned to the perfect like group of people up here because, um, we're, they're all, all of the guys are really skilled as far as like, they are just kind of a jack of all trades. They can do anything. Um, but, like they were able to build our roads. My husband's a heavy equipment mechanic. We bought a tractor and he was just going to town making roads. Cause there wasn't even a road into the property. Mm. Um, we had to drive in through a field and then we made that field, the easement onto the property. We made that into a road and then lived at the bottom of the property for a while until my husband finished the road to the top of the property. And we moved up there. Um, my dad used to work in a lumber mill, so um, we bought a sawmill, and he's really um, helped everybody, like, understand how that works and, and really headed that up for a while and then passed that over to my brother-in-law. Um, and then, like, my brother-in-law's always done, like, electrical, um, electrical, mechanical stuff. My dad literally can do anything, you know, going from being a lumber mill or working in a lumber mill to... Um, fixing appliances for like 25 years. Um, so everybody, we're a really well-rounded group. And then, um, and that's just the guys. It's, you know, my mom cans everything. Um, 
and we're all we're all really knowledgeable and like we're getting better at foraging there's a lot to forage up here um but just like naturopathic stuff um nat- natural remedies so we're a really well-rounded group um i would say and we haven't had to hire out anything and that's the that's the plan is to not hire anything out um except for pouring a pad for our house that we're building at <laughs> concrete's no fun we are gonna have somebody drive out here and do that are you gonna build three separate houses or one giant house um three separate ones we all kind of have we all were we have a lot of community projects and stuff we do together but we also have like separate stuff that we do like three pines family farm is Um, mine, me and my husband and then our kids, um, we had a farm when we moved. Um, so that's kind of our baby. And then, um, but as far as like the guard, the big community garden and a lot of like, we're building a laundry room, a butcher (coughs) house, um, and all of that's community stuff. So there is a little bit of division in projects, but we all mainly do it together. So when you're, for example, the garden, you know, when you started at the bottom of the property and you moved up to the top and you're kind of working through that, are you going, are you, well, twofold question. One, are you going for more of a permaculture property or kind of more traditional, you know, traditional ag with the, with trying to do big row gardens and in ground and stuff like that? Oh, um, definite. Well, we want to do whatever is going to work. But I would say we lean more towards the permaculture. Um, our garden is um, mainly like all Hugo cultures, um, we, which we're going to be changing a little bit this year just because of accessibility. Um, but there's nothing traditional about our garden. Well, and then that would be my next question was, <clears throat> you have a large community gardening space, um, but... Is there, do you find any, like, oh, we're going to each have a, you know, a kitchen garden by our house or, you know, how do you, how are you managing that when you're starting raw, you know, how did you divide that land to be like, okay, this is our thing. This is your thing when you're starting with a blank slate. So, um, when we first bought the property, Everybody came up to the top part because that's where we're building our homes. It's where the most um, flat, easily accessible land is, is at the top part of the property. So everybody came up here with a stake and we all, you know, we walked back and forth, come to the whole top of the property and every person put a stake down where they want their home. Um, Coincidentally, it all ended up basically the top part of the property is like a triangle. And so... Um, we're each basically on a corner. And so we have our own space there. But right now we're all in trailers. So we have like a little wagon circles, <laughs> what it looks like. We're like in a U um, with a little courtyard in the center. And so we're all really close right now. Um, and then we work on our little home sites um, whenever we get the chance. Um, my husband and I will be the first ones to build. We're getting started um like we already started but um as far as like our little personal gardens and stuff um we will do that once we're kind of off in our own areas but since we're so close to each other right now um we just we just put our 
you know, we just do it all together. Um, the big garden down below is everybody's project. We just sit down, we have like little family meetings and it's like everyone kind of goes and says what they want to see in the garden. Um, and we're usually all on the same page. So it makes it really easy. Um, but we each have like little potted stuff that, you know, our own little projects. Cause you need that mm-hmm. when you're building a community and stuff, you need your own, your own things to do. Um, because we don't always agree perfectly. So it's like, if there's not 100%, um, everybody in agreement, it's like, that's fine. We're different people, different families, different styles. Um, we do the important things together. And then if you really need that thing for yourself, you just do it and it works out great. So you're in Idaho, um, which I was thinking the top part of Idaho, I was thinking was fives. And I thought the Southern part of it was in the sixes. And then I saw your answers and you're six A. So how are you adjusting to gardening there since Oregon is a lower zone? Um, so in Oregon, we were at 4,200 feet. And here we're just right under 5,000. It's not a super huge difference. Um, I mean, we had a freeze uh, last summer. My garden took a hit in August, which is super weird. Um, but it froze in August. So it's it's not super different, but we are having, like, it's wetter up here, which surprised me. Um, the spring is brutal. Um, and then... I mean, we're still freezing at night, so we haven't really, we haven't been able to really put anything in the ground, um, but we're adapting well. We kind of just look at Mother's Day as like the day when everything begins, and our season is extremely short, but we make it work. We have a subterranean greenhouse in the works. Um, it may not get finished this year, but it's going to be a really big success once it's, once it's done. Do you want to explain to the listeners what that is? So basically the subterranean, there's a couple different names for it. I've heard it called the Wallapini too. Um, but you're basically digging down and you want to get below the frost line. Um, and then you start building your um, greenhouse below ground and above ground. I probably could have explained that better. But basically you're down a little bit. And so it you keep, you, you just keep warmer. You're insulated by the earth. And then you've got, like, we have, like, old used windows that we'll be building the majority of it with. And so um, some of it's underground, some of it's above ground, and it just stays warm year-round. Yes, and a wallapini is something that I wanted really bad. Um, But the issue with a wallapini in our specific land is the fact of... Our whole property slopes, the whole thing. We have torrential rains, and it is extremely um, boulder rocky. With you know, so the clay is great because you need that for your walls, but the rocks make it in you know, like not stable. And then when the rains come, you it, it's an issue even when you're trying to pack it. So we need to have it up towards the top of the property to try to withstand that. Unfortunately, uh-huh. that ground isn't conducive. So you either have to basically make your wallapini and 
do all of your groundwork around it because you really need to make new ground basically so wherever we wanted uh -huh. to put a pond we'd have to take all that dirt bring it all the way up and try to make that work similar to you know why our storm shelters are more above ground than they are below ground and you just make ground higher uh -huh. um the option here is you know you can heat the greenhouses with wood because wood is abundant here um, and our winters are mild and we have a very long growing season. I mean, it doesn't even get cold really. I mean, until January and February, that's like your, this is winter. This sucks. I hate it here months. <laughs> and the rest of the time, it's actually usually warm in the day and cool at night. So it's very manageable. Uh, so that's an option, but I love those wallapinis. I tell you what, I really wanted them. Um, so do your, does your sibling, I, I assume it's your sister cause you said your brother-in-law. So it's your family that you live with. And, yeah. and so do they have children too? Um, yeah, my, um, niece, she is going to be four in, um, next month or in June. And then, um, my sister and brother-in-law actually literally just had a baby. Um, so they, they rented a house in town for a little bit cause we're so remote. Um, it's a little, <laughs> it's a little challenging. Um, so yeah, they just had a baby. She's like a month old now. So how does it work as you have, um, children with, you know, you have 53 acres, I think you said, and so did you account for how much each family would have? Because let's say I go and, you know, we have infertility, you know, so I just have my one son. Whereas if my sister goes, let's say she was able to have eight kids, you know, and then she wants all eight of her kids to have a house. Did you predetermine how that land was going to break up? Um, well, that far into it, no. Um, we look about, We look at, like... My kids um, are, my daughter is uh, 10 at the end of this year, and that's, she's the oldest um, kid up here. And so we have, you know, years down the road, my parents will build a house. By the time um, my daughter is ready to, like, have her own home and start her own family up here, there's definitely time to think about that. Um but there is room. <laughs> There's lots of room. There's definitely um, corners of the property that we have yet to de develop. Like there's really a lot of timber up here and we haven't, you know, we don't have an interest in like clearing the land like that. Um, but when it comes time, when we get to that point and my daughter or my son or, you know, the other kids are ready to settle down and have their families up here, if that's what they choose, um, we'll make it happen. It's 53 acres. There's some, something somewhere for everyone. Right. Well, that, <clears throat> excuse me, that being said, um, you know, I mentioned we have infertility. Do you want to brush on your kids and how, you know, kind of what your, your theory is on that? Yeah. Um, we actually, um, we had infertility as well. Um, it took us two and a half years to get pregnant with my daughter and, um, almost four with my son. 
And um, I really believe it's just um, a lot of it was our just a toxic load. And that's a big part of why we moved. Um, we just really feel that it's important to be leave, leave, living, excuse me, um, a cleaner lifestyle, um, growing your own food, getting rid of all of the chemicals and stuff. And I really feel that had I had the information that I have now, um, you know, uh, almost 10 years ago when I, when we were starting a family, I think it would have made a huge difference. Um, instead we kind of followed mainstream and really. Um, resorted to a lot of chemicals and, you know, just fertility drugs and stuff. And it makes me sad, but it's okay. We, we, you know, God gave us our family. We're good with our two. And now we're in a really amazing place in life and we just get to chug forward and it feels really good, but hindsight, (laughs) it would have been great to know what I know now. Right. So, you know, we, um, we have thought of this and We've actually um, recently discovered some medicinal herbs that have been linked to studies about um, male infertility. So we thought that was super awesome. Um, ashwagandha being one. So, you know, there's there's things like that. So we're looking into that too. Um, you know, and the whole people kind of come into this lifestyle and they try to do the detoxes and the cleanses and stuff like that and you know, they're really just shocked at what comes out. Um, even me personally, I would be shocked too, because I have yet to do a, one of the actual detox, um, like the detox soaks or any of that kind of stuff with all of the stuff. I haven't done that yet, but yeah, I'm like, um, probably all those years before, you know, so kind of crazy because people don't realize like when you're getting ready to do the detoxes or you or you're like opening your detox pathways or whatever you know you're starting with you usually feel absolutely awful for a long time and it discourages people from like continuing with detoxing um or people get really excited and they're like i'm gonna clean up my body and then they go hard and they do feel really miserable. And I mean, that's, that's kind of the way it works. Cause you're, you're getting rid of all of this stuff that your body's had for so long. And like, it's, it's a lot for your body. Um, we've been slowly working our way into that for a year. And my sister and I have noticed that we kind of feel worse since we've been up here than we did before. And we were baffled by that and discouraged. And then it was like, oh, duh. (laughs) We've been getting rid of a lot of toxins. And there's no way that's just going to be a walk in the park. Right. And, yeah, that that would be difficult. And do you, when you're switching over, you know, and you say you're really remote. And you're switching over to this lifestyle. How do you, does anybody work off of the homestead and do they find any do they find it difficult coming from somewhere that's raw land and stuff to being able to take the healthy food and to do all that if they're working in town for long hours not able to come back to the property so remotely um so my husband is the only person that works off the property um we have a heavy equipment repair business 
And so he's off the property about three days a week. Um, it'll pick up a lot in the summer, um, especially since we're getting a lot of repeat customers. But uh, one to three times a week, he's off the property, and he does suffer. <laughs> um, I try to have, like, good stuff packed for him. But when he's got a 12-hour day and he's leaving the mountain at 4 a.m., um, odds are he's going to be grabbing junk at a gas station. And that's just the way it is for now. Um and I'm kind of, <laughs> I'm kind of a stickler. And, and so when he does leave, I'm sure he probably actually is like, oh my gosh, <laughs> something, <laughs> something that we used to have. Like he gets kind of excited, like, you know, heavy breathing, like, oh, <laughs> I'm going to go get something out of a gas station deli. And he probably really actually gets excited about it because I've, <laughs> I've gotten really strict about it, but, um, you know, I, I don't worry about it. Um, but like my dad and my brother-in-law actually work for a company because um, they, so I mentioned that my parents had a appliance repair business. I think I mentioned that. Um, and my brother-in-law and I actually worked for them before we moved. Um, so my parents actually had to like consolidate an entire company um, before and sell everything off before we moved, which was really stressful. Um, but my dad and my brother-in-law are both appliance repairmen. So now they actually found a job where they do it remotely online. They offer, um, what's that called? Uh, like technical support. <laughs> yeah. They're tech support. There we go. Yeah. They're tech support for appliance repair, you know, for do it yourselfers who kind of want to, um, try and take care of it themselves. They offer support for that. So they actually work out in a trailer, um, that they set up their offices in and they work remotely, which is really amazing. They work for the same company. Um, and like they have the same weekends off and everything. And so um, we just plan my husband's time around when they're off. That way um, we can do our community projects and get like a lot of the heavy stuff done that we have to do. Well, that's convenient. Um, so I would, I would say what has been the hardest thing on your journey and what has been your favorite thing on the journey? Um. Hardest thing has been living in a trailer. Um, our particular trailer. And when she's saying trailer, um, she means RV and camper. Yeah. Not not <laughs> a live... manufactured trailer. <clears throat> no. Um, it's a thirty-eight foot um, uh, fifth wheel. My kids live in the um, like toy hauler section. We turned that into a bedroom for them. Um, that's been the hardest part because like when you're on your, your mission to become self-sufficient or community sufficient, there's a lot of things that are very obvious that you're going to be doing like canning food and, um, you know, uh, packing stuff away and just preserving food. That's like something I'm really passionate about. And it's really difficult when you don't have the space. Um, we have like a little outside pantry, but stuff will freeze. So you can't, you know, you can't be a canning queen <laughs> in a trailer. <laughs> so until our root cellar is done, we, there's a lot of things that we're really limited on. And that's been really hard because, um, I've, I've tried to learn something new every month. I've tried to always keep rolling forward and acquiring a new skill. And you kind of sometimes feel like the walls are closing in on you a bit in a trailer <laughs> and our roof is leaking. So the, 
spring's going to be fun. Um, and we're <laughs> definitely very motivated to get our home um, built quickly. So I think it's just been living in the trailer. That's been the hardest for me. Um, the best part has been probably watching my children become really assertive and um, leaders. Um, they have a lot of chores that they are starting to do alone without supervision. And I'm really pleased with the results of that. Um, they're becoming one of those kids that if you throw them on a farm, they'll be able to help. Not just like our stuff, but they'll be useful and helpful. And that's a like a five-year-old mischievous little boy and a nine-year-old very inquisitive, very intelligent, sweet, helpful girl. And they're just, they're really becoming really awesome people. And that's, that's been my favorite thing. <clears throat> I would say that, you know, just judging from, you know, having known what you were doing before and all these things and you were saying, you know, you followed the commercial line and all that, your children will have just such a different experience. It'll be almost like they say, you know, those little trending videos online when they say, you know, you're watching your kids have the environment that you, you know, you didn't know. And especially with your parents being a part of this whole journey too, there's probably things that they're like, wow, you know, now that everybody's kind of awake to what's been going on. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, this, this kind of seems like it was always where we were going to end up. Um, we had, a, my sister and I had a really cool childhood. Like we lived out in the country, um, grew up playing in the Creek. My mom had a huge garden, was always canning. And then, you know, life got crazy. We moved and I didn't, I didn't think that this is where I would end up. Like, I mean, like 10 years ago, I wouldn't have thought that at all, but you could feel the shift. Like once my husband got out of the military and we moved back home, um, and we had that like really big, like just ache to be in the country and just do things our way and, you know, raise food, grow food, raise really, um, godly and respectful children and it's just like once we once we moved out and to our little two acres, it was like this is amazing, this is good, but it's not it's not quite right. And then everybody, I just we noticed that we all felt that way. My my sister and brother in law, my parents, and it was just like it was so it was such a natural gravitation to being up here. It was really amazing. That <clears throat> that's so nice. I wish that. My family and I would have been able to do that from the start. It wasn't possible, but I just really wish that it was. <laughs> Especially after talking to now two people doing it. Um, <clears throat> so you guys are off grid, but will you be going on grid? Or are we you on grid? No desire. No, we're we're off grid a hundred percent. We don't really have a desire to, especially since we kind of like. We inquired roughly about what it would be um, to have stuff ran out here, and it's it's an ugly number. So <laughs> um, we'd rather spend our money. Um, we'd rather spend our money on like um, a well eventually. Um, but honestly, I mean, our setup now is really it's really frugal. 
Um, it doesn't serve us very well in the winter just because we don't get a lot of sun and we run a lot of generators in the winter. In the summer, we don't touch the generators like most people off-grid. Um, but our goal is to... is to use less power anyway um so like our solar setup that we have now will definitely easily serve the cabin that we're building um and we hope to continue finding ways to decrease the need for it because our solar stuff won't last forever you know it has a kind of a shelf life so right. we're hoping to not have to continuously purchase more <laughs> we just want to learn how to live with less so, what do you have any at this point? Um, do you have any homestead specific businesses that you've tried to launch already to help you know generate anything? I know that you do sourdough classes. Yeah. Um, so I do sourdough classes. Um, I'm just going to be doing those in the spring and then like fall and winter, summer, everyone's in the garden. Um, so I do those. And then, um, right now we're just working on, um, basically making products. I'm really in love with, um, tallow from our goats. And so I've been working on, um, just lotions and salves and stuff with that. Um, it's, it's definitely something that's a future thing because I want them to be really amazing. And so I'm going to nitpick, nitpick at them for quite some time before um, we start selling them. But also our goal is to serve our remote community. So we're just increasing like our chicken flock um, and um, our dairy goats and stuff. That way we can provide milk and eggs. Um, and then we will eventually have a farm stand. Um, we have like this schoolhouse this really old schoolhouse up here where community events happen and then there's our mailboxes are out there and my hope is to be able to have a farm stand out there that's just kind of a help yourself leave your money in a jar type of thing um in the next couple of years so we're still in the development <clears throat> stage for sure <clears throat> so in, is there a demand for that in your community or is everybody also raising and growing Interestingly enough, from what I can tell, because it is per, it's very remote. There's not like when you drive the 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 roads up here, you don't really see houses. There's a couple of manufactured homes that you'll see like at the big because um, people mainly run cattle up here. Um, it's free range cattle everywhere, um, and then there's a couple of like roads where you know there's houses, but. Um, every year up here, there is a, like, community potluck, and that's kind of how I intend to figure out what the need is up here. We went last year and met a lot of the neighbors, because it's hard to meet your neighbors. You don't really run into them. You never see them, really. Right. Um, but that's how I intend to kind of get an idea if there's a need for that. If not, I'll sell stuff in town, but I want to serve my community because I feel like it's really important and, and there is a lot of seasonal people too. A lot of the ranchers move up here in the summer, run their cattle, um, work cattle and stuff. And then they move everything back down into like other surrounding towns. So I still have a lot of learning to do about our community and how it works and what would be helpful. But I really hope that I'm able to help the people up here versus driving for hours to a town. Right. Um, uh 
that's another thing is like you want to be remote but at the same time you know that that limits some of what you can do unless you do at a certain you know <clears throat> like in uh, Omaha for example there is a farm who has generated a significant following in their group they'll post what's available and people will shop it like a grocery store he just comes and pops up um, in a parking lot and people get in line and give him his, their name and he's got their orders ready and they just pick it up that way. And he only comes twice a month. Um, and that's really a really smart way when you're going such a far distance, um, you know, for him to be able to make his money, you know, instead of doing delivers deliveries and stuff. And when we didn't have things, <clears throat> he's provided us with eggs before with beef before um all of those things when we didn't have uh chickens you know living in the middle of the city and we didn't have them we were yeah. in rental so that was really nice that there was you know that availability we've gotten um <clears throat> lots of the farmers up there will do beef and subscription boxes and they were doing it before the butcher box thing and all that stuff. They were doing it before that. So that was kind of neat. But do you have, if you had to give three tips to people who are just going to dive into raw land, what would that be? I would say number one, if you're going to do it in a trailer, <laughs> build a cover for your trailer because your roof, won't last most likely <laughs> um <laughs> i <w> would <laughs> that's just such a primary like very important thing <laughs> um i would say i don't know if this is just crazy obvious but have a water source water is just you're gonna spend a lot of time doing stuff with water because you can't live without it especially if you have animals make sure that you have water um and I guess expect, <laughs> get comfortable with things being uncomfortable because most likely nothing will go as planned and everything will be done in tiny little baby steps and a lot of steps backwards. I guess if that's literally, I... literally nothing will go as planned. Everything will take longer. It'll be more expensive, yep. it'll be more difficult, and the weather will not cooperate. Absolutely. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> so what what would be three must-have possessions when you're getting raw land to be able to work the land? What would you say would be three three tools you should have, three skills you should learn, something like that? Um, it's hard because I know that like a lot of people feel like doing it, doing this is just completely unattainable. You either dive in and it's just all wild and crazy and you figure it out as you go or you plan as best you can. If you, if you plan, have a tractor. It's the most useful thing that we ever purchased and there's a lot of really hard projects that would have been near impossible, like all the roads we had to build. Um, you know, planting trees. It's amazing to have an auger on a tractor. Just there's a million things 
Um, a really versatile tractor is amazing. Not a must, but like your life will be so much easier with a tractor. Um, this is going to sound silly. Number two, have like 5,000 tarps. Yeah. 5,000 5, tarps at the minimum. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> you'll need them for everything. Um, and a good chainsaw, not joking, a good chainsaw and know how to use it. <laughs> um, I just, those are the, I know they're kind of like, um, the tractor is kind of a more extreme, more useful. The other ones might be a little silly, but, um, those are like three things that have been huge for us. The tractor being number one, we bought a brand new chainsaw. We've, we've had to cut, you know, and clear you're looking, you know, you got to get your firewood and stuff. Um, we installed, uh, wood stoves in our trailers, which I would highly recommend if you are going off grid in a trailer, um, propane when it's minus 14, um, it, it's not gonna, you're, you're gonna run your batteries out with your furnace. You're going to, um, constantly have your furnace burning through pro propane. I'd install a wood stove <laughs> and that's just what we did. Um, did I answer your question? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you did. So, uh, I would say, so we had chainsaws. Actually, we had really nice chainsaws, but then I can't start it because it was too big and I just couldn't start it because I'm not very confident with a chainsaw. So then we ended up switching to our mine is electric. Um, because, you know, batteries we can recharge with our, with our banks or, you know, with a generator or something. And that's just something I can manage. Um, I'm also not chopping down trees. I'm getting, you know, all the deadfall and stuff. But, um, uh, I would say definitely agree on the chainsaw. Definitely agree on the tarps. Another thing though, that people don't anticipate, um, I would get buckets, um, you don't, <laughs> so true. you do so not true. realize how many buckets that you're going to need. So uh, definitely buckets, definitely a generator. Doesn't matter if you're on grid, off grid, nothing. Get a generator. Um, oh, we have four generators. We look like, um, <laughs> <laughs> we look like, um, we look like a bunch of hillbillies. Like we really do. Um, but one thing, one thing that I think that a lot of people, kind of um kind of sink into themselves and kind of feel badly about it is like the you know like the ugly stage of homesteading right um it's always when you start raw but even like without raw land there's just a lot of points that are just hideous and you you're collecting your stuff because oh. why buy new when you can collect you know you know you'll need it later we have what's called a boneyard <laughs> and it's just it's spot on the property that is just filled with stuff it almost looks like a junkyard but it has important stuff it's very very ugly we we hide it <laughs> it's back away but yeah just understanding that like homesteading isn't necessarily cute it might be someday but it's not when you first start so it's not all like instagram <laughs> No, shockingly, and I, I make it my mission to show everybody uh, when I'm posting stuff on Instagram, I'm like, look how ugly this is. Look, there's dog poop in my pasture. Um, this is a shed I built out of tarps, 
Like, it's not cute in the beginning, and I have no desire to create that illusion because it gives people this, like, well, I can't, I can't attain that. And it's like, you absolutely can get some tarps. <laughs> yeah, I think that, you know, recently we were able to visit with new friends and, you know, she just repeatedly was like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry for the trash. I'm, I'm sorry for <clears throat> the grass. I'm sorry there's stuff everywhere. And we're like, for what? We sorry for, you know, we've got, yeah. we've got plenty of that stuff, you know. As far as things you should know, you should have a trash plan. You should have uh-huh. a, cause we, there's, we can't burn all the time because we got burn bans and stuff like that and fire can get out of hand and you know, you're in the woods. Um, the trash service and stuff started to get a little bit of a headache. So now we're going to have to do a bulk haul away and then start taking our stuff by trailer and t- into the dump and burning. And that's why we're working on, um, you know, very intentionally moving away from things that would generate trash. <laughs> we're still trying to, get away from that and just because you see it on youtube that these people are waste free and they haven't produced waste in two years is actually not quite as easy as you think it would be especially oh, when I you didn't think it'd be easy at all it sounds really hard <laughs> yeah and when you're in when you're having livestock and you're just starting you've got a lot of stuff that you had to buy in and that stuff comes in packaging and it just it happens um if i was going to be picking a luxury, um, quote unquote, little list of three things. My personal list that has changed my life will be a, we have Jackery's, which are the portable power banks. So we have a thousand watt, we have a 500 watt. They run the incubators. They can run fans. They can run, um, you know, these little things that you wouldn't know that you needed, they can take care of that stuff for you. Your lights, um, they, you know, obviously they can run other things like not the, our microwave is too high of a wattage, but like the refrigerator, if I was in a pinch, it could technically run that, but then you just use more of your battery, you know? So we use it for smaller stuff. You can charge your drill batteries or, chainsaw batteries if you wanted to or any of that stuff so run a heated blanket um you know there's just a lot of things that they can do so they're vital um another thing would be i have not really experimented with sourdough too much because i don't really like sourdough that much so i'm just learning about that (laughs) but my bread machine was a gift and that's revolutionary And so that's been really helpful. Um, And then my third thing would be one of those mini washer and dryers. It's not a real dryer. It's just a spin. And they're very, very tiny. Um, I first saw it on um, uh, Simple Living Alaska. And it runs, it can run on these little jackeries. It could run on a generator. It could run on a very small solar setup because they don't use a lot of power at all. And it's just something that you can just wash up, you know, you wash your laundry and then you put it up on the line. You don't need to have a real washer and dryer. You don't need to wash it by hand. You don't need to go to the laundromat. It can take care of all that stuff. So that's 
I would say would be my three like super fancy things that I like. <laughs> yeah, we we have um the you call it Jackery. Um, we have something similar. Um, we got a, I believe it's a two thousand watt, um, solar generator. Um, EcoFlow solar generator. Yes. And um. And these are like, also can be charged by solar. Yeah, they had they came with their own little panel. We actually got them, um, the EcoFlow on a really great sale. Um, my brother-in-law got one, and he actually runs his entire trailer off of it, which is pretty awesome. Um, so I agree. Those have been really, really helpful, um, because <laughs> sometimes you just need more. Yeah. And so those would be my things. You mentioned IG. So Instagram, is that your only social media? Yeah. Um, it's the only place I'm really, you know, consistently posting. Um, I try to... I just, I'm trying to encourage a more like realistic, um, view of what this looks like. <laughs> you usually see me like, you know, do, doing something really, um, messy and dirty and none of it's cute. I just, I want to help people. Cause there's a lot of people that are like, I would love to do, I'd love to do that. I could never, but I'd love to, or there's just no way I could. And I mean, I never thought we'd actually get here once we started dreaming, but here we are. I just want to make it more of like, cause there's a lot of people in a lot of different phases, right. um, you know, the, the backyard homesteads that are, you know, dreaming of their acreage, their ranch, their farm, whatever. And I just want people to have a really good look at the, like the ugly, difficult, dirty, rough part of it so that they can mentally prepare for that and really realize that there is a lot of stuff that's tangible. You just really have to be, un you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. So I am on Instagram. That's it. I'm trying to build a website. It would be easier for my sourdough classes and other classes that I intend to teach, but I am a little technologically challenged and it's <laughs> not been fun for me. It causes a lot of anger and my goats cause enough anger. So I feel like I just can't do that. I can't do that in this stage of life right now. <laughs> <laughs> I the web websites suck. Like I've got the website up and then I had to take it down because of the store malfunctioning and you know people weren't using it right and so now it's down and I got to put it back up with the edits and I'm just like back and forth. Facebook seems to be my go-to. I like to teach things on Facebook. Um, I like to show things on, on Facebook and create discussion and really be involved that way. Instagram, mm -hmm. I would say I like Instagram, um, but definitely Facebook is my preferred platform for sure. Um, sorry, you're going to hear the dogs bark probably here in a second. So, but I will link your, um, Instagram in the description so everybody can go and check that out. And, um, I will link the flyer for your sourdough classes into the post on homestead happenings with bb podcast in our facebook group if you're not part of our group please join um we share everything about the episodes in there lots of links all of those kind of things as well and you can feel free to ask questions in there or anything that you might need do you have any closing thoughts for anyone um we covered a lot i know <laughs> 
We did, yeah. I guess, um, I guess just to kind of reiterate what I said, you know, um, if this is a life that you want, a lifestyle that you really feel is worth pursuing um, for yourself, for your kids, for your health, um, I would say the best way to start is a list. Get a list going and just start conquering them one thing at a, one thing at a time and pick the list apart, remake it and just chip away at it because if it's what you want, you should do it. It's worth it. I can definitely say it's worth it and every day is a struggle but it's totally worth it. I agree. That would be it. <laughs> I agree. I'm going to agree with that. I have started making the list into seasons. Like this needs to be done before summer. This needs to be done before fall. This needs to be done before winter. Um, and that's really nice. If I can keep on track with that, I will have a much easier winter than I've had previously. This last winter beat me up. Um, so definitely, definitely do those, especially if you are like me, where you're going to be doing this by yourself, um, you know, he's gone all the time. And then, you know, if if he's here, or he's tired or there's errands or something that he's doing. So just make sure that you plan accordingly for that, because we planned a lot of things as two. And there's just some things that I physically cannot do alone. And so that's set some uh-huh. things back. So definitely be thinking about those things. But on that note, I think that we had a ton of stuff covered here. I I encourage raw land, especially as a permaculture person, because you can then just really make it how you want it set up based on the actual uh-huh. location itself. Not having something that somebody else has done because it looked pretty, but it doesn't function. Or uh-huh. putting your animals in pastures that they've already ran animals that maybe aren't healthy. And, you know, so it seems like a good deal when things are already set up. But really weigh that and see what's going to work with your goals, your dreams, your beliefs. If you get something uh-huh. that's set up but they've sprayed every single year for the last 10 years, you might need oh. to walk away from that, you know, so just be thinking about those uh-huh. things. So those would be my, my closing thoughts. So on that note, thank you so much for joining me today. And yeah, thanks for having me. We will just let's learn. Let's grow. Let's go.